Well, after a nice rebound in equity prices, we're finding sellers back into the mix. The gold price is tracking real rates very closely. The correlation is real once more. And we're seeing big volatility come back into the oil market as Vladimir Putin threatens to make exports in ruble terms. We talk about all these factors and more as we go into the trade-off. Well, hello, my name is Chris Weston. I'm head of research here at Pepperstone. And I'm gonna be joined in a second with Blake Morrow from Forex Analytics. And we're gonna be unpacking, we're gonna be navigating, and we're dissecting and talking about all the trends and all the setups and the thematics that are going on in the world of trading. And we're trying to unjamble this so people understand a little bit more about what's going through our thought processes and what's going in the market. So let's bring Blake into the program. Blake, how are you doing, my good friend? Well, hello, Chris. Wait, there's a lot of crazy stuff that's going on in the world. The other day I saw that, uh, I mean, this was a couple of weeks ago now, that GameStop had taken a, a small stake in a gold play. There's always mad, mad, crazy stuff that's going on in the world. One thing I did take out uh, was the Senate had proposed, and I think that needs to go into the House, that they're going to make daylight savings permanent in the US. I think the UK farmers will be jumping up and down and saying, oh, don't let this happen to us. But yeah, that's an interesting situation. I think they're calling it the Sunshine Act. And yeah, I think that's a, that's a really interesting situation. How is that going to affect you? Are you, uh, are you, are you do you think that's going to pass? Yeah, you know, well, first of all, I think it is going to pass and how it's going to affect me is it's really going to have an impact on my life. I, I actually look forward to the five and a half months that I have that I get to sleep an extra hour a day because remember I'm I, I I'm in a, I'm in one of the rarest time zones in the world that just we don't change our clocks so right. it doesn't matter to us but it matters to me because I live in your world not in my world if that makes any sense so oh. so, so I'm permanently going to be getting up at a three o'clock hour and it's just kind of part of life I guess it's going to be for me so well, uh, but I do think it's going to pass. Well, I think your world's all canyons and horsebacks and cactuses, isn't it? Like that part. It is, as you can see behind me. Yes, that is yeah. correct. Anyway, no, today, let's, no, let's, let's, let's talk about markets. Let's go to Topical Thunder. Well, mate, look, we had a, we had a melt up in, in the NASDAQ. You know, US equities have had a bit of a reprieve. We've seen some sellers because you know, of, some, uh, of what's been happening in the geopolitical tensions, Russia, Ukraine. But um, yeah, the market was really discounting higher rates from, from Fed policy. Goldman Sachs came out and said, we're going to see 50 basis points back to back. Jefferies did the same. Citigroup are calling for 50 basis points. We've seen Powell and pretty much most Fed members coming out, even the Doves, Kashgari, for example, are opening the world that we're going to see more than 25 basis points. The market's pricing about a 70% chance uh, of, a, of, a, of a 50 basis point hike on that um, 4th of May meeting. Um, you know, we're pricing in about eight hikes over 12 months. Um, but markets largely haven't really cared too much. I mean, what's, what's your call, firstly, for the May meeting? Do we get 50 or 25? Um, and, you know, ultimately, why does the market look through this at the moment? Why are they not too concerned? Well, okay. I, I, first of all, I do think that the Fed, I figured the Fed is going to front load the rate hikes. Yeah. And uh, I thought actually they would have done 50 this last, this last meeting, but they didn't. And, yeah. uh, but it, it does make sense that they want to really 
clamp down on on inflation. It is like the biggest issue right now sure. in, in American politics, mm. probably globally. But yep. I know with midterms coming up here in the U.S., uh, they're, the Fed's probably getting a lot of pressure from <laughs> yeah. all fronts. Hundred percent. Yeah. So, so do I, do I think they're going to raise fifty? Absolutely. Do I think they're going to continue to do that? I think they could. I think there's a risk that that they can. And you ask me how the markets are going to respond. They haven't cared up to right now. And and I mean, what do you make of that, Chris? Well, I think we, I think part of it is because so much is discounted. I think the terminal rate or the, the level that, that, that the Fed funds could get to really needs to push above 3%. But most importantly for me, it's really about real rates, right? Until we see a situation where where 10-year real rates get close towards zero, I think the market's going to be fairly happy. The market's very well hedged. Uh, earnings haven't been cut at all in, in the US. Go back to 1980. Um, you know, I was just born. But we saw a situation where oil prices spiked. People were saying, oh, the market should be getting, getting crashed, getting creamed as a result of what was going on. It wasn't until 1981 that we saw real rates going positive, and then the equity market in the US came off very, very sharply. For me, that's the real key. If they want to tighten financial conditions really closely, they need real rates to get closer towards zero. I think the moment that the market says, <clears throat> we're going to get close towards uh, positive real rates in the US, we've got them here in Australia. But, you know, certainly in, in the US, I think is much more important. I think for me, the moment that the market says, well, hang on, we're going towards negative real, to positive real rates. I think that's the time when the equity market would really care. At the moment, we're not seeing that, that situation emerge. So I think we are, we're, the market's just so well hedged at the moment, Blake. I think it just, it's just struggling there. And, and I think a lot of it, too, you know, when we talk about the markets, and we're going to go into that actually here in just a moment. But you, you have a lot of... Um, diversification, if you yeah. will, or uh, rotation. rotation. That's the that's a better word for it. And you're seeing money come out of different markets like European markets and go into North American markets and other markets as well. So, um, you know, that could be another catalyst that's kind of keeping the, the bid in the market. But let's turn it to the Just to surmise that one. Are we both at okay. this moment? I'm calling 50 for May. What are you, what's, what's your call for the May Fed, uh, Fed meeting? Oh, 50 for sure. Yeah, I'm not even so not even questioning that. Perfect. Uh, unless unless there's an escalation in Russia, then then that yeah, might change my Russia. tune. Yeah. Okay, we're right. both from, right. both from okay. that page. Okay. All right, so let's go to the S&P. So, you know, when I, I've always heard the, the, the phrase, the S&P or stocks, I'm just using the S&P in general. The S&P is not the economy. Stocks do not equate to the economy. Yeah. But people like to think it does, you know, like, oh, you know, the economy is great. Stocks should be doing great. Or the economy is doing bad. Or there's headwinds coming. So stocks should start to take notice. And I, I'm, I'm looking at the markets right now. And I'm looking at the economy. And I do believe these inflationary pressures are really going to start to impact consumer <clears throat> spending moving forward. I think it's going to be a real negative in the quarters ahead, which, you know, once we get an inversion of the yield curves and, you know, real rates go positive, as you're talking about, I, I think this is all coming, but the markets don't care right now. But I'm, I guess my question to you is, Chris, is the stock market, especially U.S. equities right now, is that the best place for your money as an investor? What are your thoughts there? Well, I like, I like Australia, to be honest. I mean, um, it's very, very, you know, very high weighting towards materials and energy, uh, well, banks as well, but certainly materials. And that's just been a great place to be in the moment. You know, it's why commodity currencies 
have just been sure. on a rip-roaring trend. So when, you, when you're looking at Australia, you know, we've got such a high um, weighting towards the material sector that the index weighting and index composition obviously matters. As a place to be, where do you want to park your capital? I think the US is still you know, one of the best houses on a on a, on a shabby neighborhood, should we call it? But uh, yeah, I think the US is, is still, <laughs> still probably that place to go. I mean, look, earnings, if we have a look at earnings, Forward earnings are yet to, to, to decline. We've saw a, we saw the multiple in the S&P coming down to about 17 times, which, is, which was a good buying opportunity, especially when, you know, if you have a look at the options market, look at SKU, you know, funds were very well hedged in that situation. And, you know, it was going to struggle to go down in the absence of new news that was going to feel the beast there. So I think the US is, is, is in a good situation there as well. So, yeah, I, I don't mind the S&P. I think it rip, uh, you know, moves around, but I... I when it comes to economics, I, I think if you're going to get a recession, clearly that's going to come through in Europe. It's not going to happen in the US. And one thing I will say about the yield curve, inversion does not mean bad equity returns. In fact, whenever we see, you know, go out the last 30 years, when we see an inverted curve, twos, tens, fives, thirties, twos, fives, actually just the period of inversion has actually been a positive situation for equities. The bad situation for anyone who's like, oh, the inversion of the yield curve, recession, it's when the, it's when the yield curve actually starts steepening again as the market starts pricing in rate cuts at the front end starts dropping. It's when the inversion happens and then the, 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 the curve actually starts steepening that's when the equity market gets smashed. So for me, anyone who's saying the inversion curve is going to cause yeah, the S&P to decline, I think that's that's misplaced based on history. So, so before we move on to the next topic, which I know we're going to get the ding here in one, two, one, there we go. All right. Before we move on to the next topic, it's interesting that you say that because, you know, rates coming down uh, or, you know, QE, good for stocks, rates going higher, supposed to be bad for stocks, but it's still going higher. And if rates, then maybe if rates come back down the stock market, I don't know if I'm actually going to buy into that argument. I think stocks just go up no matter what. <laughs> well, we see, I think if consumer confidence and business confidence gets smacked and with that might yeah. take some time, then, then, then the market may reprice that and that may be a bad situation. I, I'm, I'm all, we're Americans, I'm Americans and we're all about consumerism. So I'm going to, I'm going to see how the consumer gets impacted here. I right. think that's going to really matter. Yeah, but anyway, sure. No, I think one thing that will will impact the consumer is 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 you guys out in uh, on the west, especially down in in Phoenix, and you know driving your monster trucks around, and yeah, you know, crude's obviously a big factor on that. It's probably cost you. I mean, yeah, I think America pays jack, you know, jack for their for their petrol, so you know it probably costs you fifty dollars to fill up. For for me, it's one hundred and fifty dollars to fill up my tank at the moment, and I. You know, I drive a, a Nissan X Trail, so um, I think yeah, crude is crude is something that that is is really important here. I mean, we saw Vladimir yes. Putin coming out and talking about the idea um, about exporting uh, crude, but he wants to see invoices in ruble terms. Now, obviously, if you're a European buyer. Um, you know, you don't want rubles. You don't want to be giving up your euros and, and your dollars to go to the central bank effectively and say, you know, we're going to have to, we'll take those rubles off your hands. Go, who wants rubles in this situation? But it did cause a bit of a move lower in dollar ruble and it's caused a move higher in crude. And we've got an EU, sorry, a European Council meeting in the session ahead where they're going to be discussing embargoes of, of Russian imports. Um, Germany are vehemently against that situation there as well. But this idea about buying crude in ruble terms, it's, a, it's you know, obviously you can understand why Putin's doing that. He wants to stabilise his currency. But, you know, the, the market's quite concerned that this could cause a, another leg higher in, 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 in crude. What do you think? Well, I, first of all, I do think that it the, the, the 
the move in the ruble just over the last you know week, as as you pointed out, is really interesting. And although I don't trade the dollar ruble or I just don't trade the ruble, I do have this burning desire right now to somehow figure out how to short it. So I, I kind of want to get, I kind of want to stick my neck out there a little bit, but I haven't. And I'm just saying that I'm not probably going to, it's just all talk at this point, but it, it was an interesting move and, and, and really a higher move in crude at this point. I, I mean, how's it going to impact you? And, and just think about the average consumer and the average person that just, you know, they, they're, you know, they're an average wage earner. They live paycheck to paycheck, like a lot of people here in the United States and in a lot of actually developed countries as well. For me, yeah, you said 50 bucks. It cost me $75 last night to fill up my what my my family truck, if you will. And truck. so like you, it, it, it's definitely hitting the, the pocketbook yeah. and for the average consumer. So, you know, do they have to choose... Uh, crude oil or gas, excuse me, over, you know, McDonald's. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, can imagine, I can imagine Mrs. Morrow, Morrow sitting at home going, Blake, Blake, you better trade better. Phil's going up. We need more money. Make more money. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I, do, I do think that's going to be the case. I, I actually like crude here. Um, I, I think fundamentally, not taking away the geopolitical issue, I think, you know, the structural situation is, I think crude trades higher. That's my bias. I think it looks strong. If it was an animal, it'd be an ox right now because I think it's going higher in that situation there. So crude goes higher in my opinion. I think with the, the marks that we've seen from Putin, if he carries this out, I think just takes it higher structurally, fundamentally. The shortages, I, I think crude, Brent, WTI, I think it trades higher. Petrocurrencies are probably going to continue to take wind off the back of that as well. All right. Well, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna leave it at that, and I'm gonna hope you're wrong, because our V6 and V8 and V12 vehicles here in the U.S. do not like your argument. No. So, uh, <laughs> so let's talk about uh, let's talk about Treasuries. Yeah. You know, I wanted to. I know we talk a lot about rates here, Chris, and and you specifically are really a professional. Uh, and understanding the rate structure and yield curves. Yeah. But the one thing I do want to point out is we are in a very high volatility and un, uh, it's like a, everybody's unsure. And, and the market doesn't like, you know, doesn't like that uncertainty. Right, right. And typically the market doesn't. Yeah. And we've seen off the COVID highs, we've seen the 10-year treasuries, they pulled back about 13%. Roughly, uh, the thirty-year about twenty-two percent. That would actually show you that 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 flattening, if you will. And um, the market seems pretty. I want to say just pretty bearish on bonds. Yeah. But with all of this risk that's kind of percolating and all this uncertainty, at what point does the market say, "I hear what the Fed is doing. I see what the Fed is doing, but I don't care," and they start to buy Treasuries or yields start to at least top out and maybe even pull back just as you know people people look for for you know safe haven assets like US treasuries do you have any opinions about what treasuries are doing now and are yeah. they a buy at these levels i think they are um, but you know as a momentum as a momentum guy, it's difficult. I mean, there's no momentum. The momentum is 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 to the upside in yields and sure. and so it makes buying very difficult but um, yeah, I think tactically it feels like a buy here. Um, I think they've priced in 
you know, a lot, especially at the front end of the curve, twos and fives, I think, have priced in a, a huge amount of rate hikes coming through. And rightly so. I mean, the Fed have basically opened up Pandora's box and said, you know, we're going to rate, we, we could be raising 50 basis points at any meeting and the market's priced in eight hikes. So the front end, you can understand justifiably so. I wouldn't be touching that. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be buying into that area unless we were to see a, a true risk off event or the data saying, you know, the consumer can't handle these kind of rate hikes. At the moment, I wouldn't be touching that. I would you know, potentially go short, but I wouldn't be going long. It's the, it's the tens of the 30-year Treasury side of things, which is more um, of interest to me. Uh, we've seen some buying coming in overnight on 30-year Treasuries, and it feels tactically, I think it feels like, you know, we could see yields lower by 15, 20 basis points here. Uh, I certainly wouldn't be shorting, even though the momentum strategy suggests, suggests that's the case. So I think there's easier trades out there at the moment. But um, yeah, I do think that, that 10s and 30s could see 15, 20 basis points of downside fairly soon as we go into that Fed meeting. Watch what happens in the inflation numbers. And we've got non-farms that come out on, I think, on the 1st of April. But the, I think yep. the, the, the CPI numbers that come out, uh, I think about the 11th or 10th of, of, of April, you know, if they could really dictate that 50 basis point argument, and I think that could really shape up. So there's a few things that we are looking at close. That CPI number, I think, um, on the 10th is going to be an absolute blockbuster. I think that's going to be really volatile there as well. So interesting times ahead, but I do favour longs. Let's go into that's a setup to look at some of the setups on, that's on our radar right now. Yeah, Blake, I want to bring up Euro dollar. Now, we got down to 109.68 uh, on the oil run yesterday, then the news about what Putin was doing, looking to invoice uh, US, US, uh, European importers uh, in, in ruble terms. Um, there has been some buyers on the low. You see those last two candles uh, that we've seen on the right. Um, yeah, there's good support below the figure there, below 110. It's probably easier trades. I don't know, I'm not sure why I brought euro dollar up because everyone trades it, but uh, euro, <laughs> you know, euro, um, euro kiwi is the, 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 the trade at the moment. You know, there, there's, there's better momentum trades, but you can see on this setup, I think it's interesting because um, we've got that double top in play. We need to break 111, uh, yeah, 111.21 to the upside to get some real momentum going through. That's the top side one. We've broken that um, the rising trend, though those series of, of lower highs. Um, for me, the big level is that, that blue line, 108.97. If we break there, then I think we make new lows and I think it starts bear trending again as we go potentially into 105. So the whole marks are there, but we can see some support below 110. How, how would you play this at the moment? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm actually approaching the euro as more of a range at yeah, this moment. Right. And, and I do believe that it can trade back down to 108, 108.50. But I have to remind everybody, since the creation of the euro, if you take the lows from uh, way back in 2000 to where we currently are, that big trend line comes in and it, and it has stopped the downside momentum of the market somewhere around the 108 and a quarter to 108.50 level. So somewhere down there, I'd actually probably give it a punt to to be on the long side, but but I do think while it's below 111.20 at this point, it is I would favor the downside at this stage, and yeah. I would not be on the long side. So I think that I think that's uh, yeah, like you say that those bids get get chewed up through you know sort of 109.50 into the figure, then then yeah, you go down into the neckline of the double top 108.97, and I think that to me is is the line in the sand. The buyers need to step in and support that because if it closes there and it starts accelerating to the downside, that double top target comes in around 107.50, so that would be the level. So that, they're the sort of the parameters that we've got this defined by. Uh, 111.21, break of that bullish all day, 
Um, yeah, if it cracks and we get down to that neckline, I think that's a really key level that everyone should have on their radar there. So that's well, if we if we if we trade to one hundred seven fifty, Chris, I tell you what, I'm going to be looking for parity probably a few months after that. So uh, I still think it's a great setup. Let's let's talk about the Aussie yen because I'm not sure why you talked about the euro, but I'll tell you why I'm talking about the Aussie yen today. Well, it's actually <laughs> it's actually last week, if you recall, I brought this up as um, you know float like a butterfly because it's a butterfly pattern. But now. <laughs> If you're long, you could get you could get stung like a bee. Remember, right. so so yeah, I got to be a little cute here. We actually reached the target that I thought we were going to reach to 91 yen, or actually we're just very shy of it. And I think this move is very mature. Now that doesn't necessarily mean that I want to be like short aggressively, but I am going to take some counter trend shorts at these levels, and I'm already starting to do so right now. But also, I played it on the long side this last week. Yeah. on the move up towards 90 yen. So I've I've enjoyed playing this one. There's yeah. a lot of volatility here. And um, I do have to be careful. I do. I am very much aware that the momentum is higher, mm. but I do think it's a little stretched here. Yeah. So what do you think about this one, Chris? Yeah, it's tough, isn't it? I mean, these are the kind of moves where just you've just got to hold on. And this is where having a rules-based approach is, is so good in these kind of times because you know the, a lot of people who are new to trading would have been involved in the long side in, in Aussie, Aussie yen. But they've been trading their PL. They would have been sitting, sitting on a massive win and they're just like, I've got to take the profits. And then it just keeps going and going and going and going. And, and that's where you know professionals would just hold that position and extracting the most out of the trade. If you're a macro guy, you've got to be getting two big sort of seven, eight percent moves a year um, to stay to, to, to really out, you know, outperform any kind of FX benchmark. And the Aussie yen has been the gift that just keeps on giving. The hardest part is holding on. Yeah, it's tough now. But what we do, what we're seeing is, is, is re proper reversals happen when you see reversal patterns, head and shoulders, and all those factors. At the moment, we're not seeing them. You know, this could be a pullback within a bullish trend that I think is growing at the moment because it is stretched. But until we see a topping pattern and the market going into some sort of distribution, it is hard to believe that this has actually reached a, a long-term top. Uh, and I think yeah, the risks are that you 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 see heat coming out and you buy the pullback in that situation for me at the moment. So. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, the risks are that we could see some downside because it is definitely stretched, but I'm not seeing a pattern that suggests that it's it's genuinely over at the moment. So interesting. It one. might sting like a bee. Sting like a bee. I mean, <laughs> vanilla ice is the better one, mate, to be honest, isn't it? Will it ever stop, yo? I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, gold. Let's talk gold because uh, yeah, we always get a lot of people talking about gold and uh, that's in a bit of a range at the moment. Real rates at the moment of um uh, sort of floating. It was down a few basis points or quite a few basis points last night, and then we've seen the gold price pop up. Uh, we're in this kind of consolidation range at the moment. I want to know which way it's going. Um, it doesn't, I don't know. I mean, maybe a few people are buying gold because they're saying, yeah, we've got this inverted curve that's potentially coming through, and that's going to suggest that we're heading towards a recession. Certainly, I think that's the case in Europe, in Europe and then we want to go and buy some gold as a, a hedge against that situation. Um, but for me, the correlation coefficient between gold and 10-year real rates has picked up significantly. We're about 80%. So about 80% of the move in gold can be explained by what's happening in tips or real rates at the moment. So take a view on what's happened in the bond market, take a view on gold. But at the moment, you know, price is true here and it's just consolidating within within that tight range. And I'm waiting for it to, to, to pull out and explode. Um, and I don't know which way it's going to go. I mean, I feel like it's going to go upside at the moment, given what we've seen there, but that real depends on, on real rates. So what do you think is going to happen here? Well, I, I love 19, right down this number, this number is really important. 1915, 
Okay. And that, that remember that was the breakout point back in June, 2021. Anyway, while we hover above and close above that level, I think the risk is higher. Um, But if we get below there, I think, you know, you can define your risk and that's the, as a trader, Chris, that is the only thing we can really do is identify our risk. Mm-hmm. And, and, and for that, for me, it would be a daily close below 1915. And if I was long, I'd be out. But, you know, I, Chris, I need to point out, you're such a people pleaser. Everybody asks about gold and you had to bring gold, didn't you? Well, I was going to bring, I was going to bring Bitcoin in because I reckon Bitcoin is, uh, it's been trading, Ethereum's the same, it's been trading a great range. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at shorts at the moment in Bitcoin and that's going to disappoint us, but it's a trade. It's not a structural issue. Um, but yeah, I got I think, it. I... But gold's an interesting one because it is consolidating at the moment. And, you know, when it breaks out of these consolidation patterns, because the market says, yeah, we just, well, there's a bit of a battle going on. I think when it, when it breaks out and it reveals its hand, that can be very powerful and that, can, and, and that needs to be respected. And when it does up top sort of downside, that's where I'm going to be shaping my bias and trading alongside that. So I just want to point out here that we've got this consolidation. When it breaks out of that, then, then, then I'm trading it as per that situation. So it's going to be an interesting chart there. All right. Well, Chris, I'm going to turn our attention to the euro sterling. You know, this has been actually a pretty exciting pair to trade. And I think that move that we, you know, we, we, we came down towards 82 pence. You can call it a head. It might be developing some sort of inverted head and shoulder pattern or whatever. But I know that a lot of people got trapped down there. I know I actually know people that got trapped down there. And because we've pulled back to the 618 retracement, you can see where we're currently at around the 83 pence level. I like buying against that level, or let's just call it 8280. I don't have a really good macro reason to be short sterling, but I'm starting to see the sterling really underperform against some of the commodity currencies. You you probably well you you you, you've been talking about the euro kiwi. Well, look at the look at the sterling kiwi. Sterling look at the uh, look at the pound Aussie. Ster- sterling yeah. Aussie. Sterling Aussie is getting smashed yeah. at the moment. Stay short. They're though. getting absolutely destroyed. The balances are so shallow. And so if the market turns its attention away from the euro and more to the sterling, that could really benefit the euro sterling. And I'm not saying that the euro sterling is heading back to 90 pence anytime mm. in the near future, but going from 83 to 84 is a big percentage move. Yeah. So what do you think about the euro sterling at these levels? Uh it's tough. It's, I mean, it's, the pound's getting into the doghouse. I just, I just love the way Americans say pence as well, like a proper currency, unlike every <laughs> single one of your notes that looks exactly the same. It's a proper currency, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> anyway, look, um, look. I, I think yes. I think the easiest trade there is 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 is. I'm going to talk about player of the day, Euro CAD, but um, yeah, Sterling Kiwi, stay short. I mean, the pound is in the doghouse at the moment. Uh, we saw um, yeah, that, there's a rate decision coming through on the fifth of May. Um, there's about a 30 odd percent chance they raise 50 basis points. Um, you know, we've got quite a lot being priced into the 12 into the curve over 12 months. I don't think it's going to go anywhere near that. And I think that the, the pound is, is is reflecting that the interest rate market perhaps may be a bit overzealous and they're going to get nowhere near that situation going forward. So, yeah, I like selling the pound. I think when you're looking at different currencies tactically right now, yeah, the, the pound's one of the worst ones that are yeah, in, in the market at the moment. So, yeah, stay short, especially against the commodity currencies there. So, anyway, let's go into the play of the day. Let's, uh, let, let's, uh, let's look at what's on mine and Blake's mind. Well, we picked Aussie, Aussie Yen last week as a, as a trade in the setup. My Euro Swiss player of the day last week didn't work out very well. We got stopped out on that one. Um, I'm looking at Euro CAD this week, though. 
Um, yeah, we talked about some of the other other crosses which are actually breaking out and there's real momentum and you know we still like Sterling Kiwi, Sterling Aussie to the downside in this situation. But uh, this is an interesting one because if we are going to see a deterioration again, another leg lower because of what Putin is saying about selling crude in rubles and we do see some sanction, further sanctions playing through, the euro's got some downside and, and I think the CAD's a really interesting currency in that situation because it will benefit from higher oil prices um, but also it's close to the US, it's kind of that safe haven zone I think the, the Bank of Canada are going to raise. I like selling this, I'd wait for the close through this double bottom that you can see and then I think it goes down to 135. So again I'm looking for that momentum move, it's holding those short term moving averages I want to wait for that close or the break of that 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 double bottom there, 138.30, and then go along for the ride. It may get stopped out, but it's going to get stopped out for smalls. Um, but if it goes, I think it's got 135 written all over it. So I'm taking a momentum move on that one. Great choice, Chris. Well, I'm going to turn your attention to the U.S. equity markets as I was trying to make my case a little bit earlier. We're going for a smack Dow. Great title, mm. mate. Well done. Bravo. Yeah, you Bravo. like that play? Bravo. You like that? <laughs> well, you know, actually, there probably are better in the higher rate environment, actually trading the NASDAQ makes more sense being short the NASDAQ. But the Dow's got probably the best setup that I've seen because we we're really knocking our head up against the 200 day moving average. We can't get above it and we can't get above the 618 retracement, which is just a smidge above that 200 day moving average. So knowing that is your risk, going back to what I was saying a little bit earlier, as a trader, we know what our risk is. Look, if, if the Dow gets above, like, let's just call it 35,300, 35, 35,500, you know, you, you don't want to be short anymore. But your, your upside is probably back down towards 33,000, maybe even a little bit lower to that congestion area. Mm -hmm. So I like the risk reward on being on the short side here. I think stocks are priced to perfection and U.S. equities going to get the smack down, Chris. <laughs> All right. Well, if you're still watching us at this time, you've, you've, you've weathered some of Blake and mine's terrible jokes. But you've obviously seen Blake there looking to go short on the Dow. Uh, I'm taking a momentum move to the downside in EuroCAD. Yeah, we've, we've seen some trades in the pound being perhaps the weakest currency at the moment, um, and, and certainly against the commodity currencies. We looked across the market spectrum, and if you're still with us, please leave us, leave us a comment, leave us a review. Um, we'll try and get to those comments as soon as we can. Give us a like, that would really help the program. And we'll be back next week for more of The Trade-Off.